0: I always have a really strong urge to Mommy made me mash my yum and yum yum. Can not warm
1: up.
0: Mommy made me mash my yum and yum yum. yum, yum, yum. yum. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Look at my son. <laughs> bride, bride is, not the, bride is <laughs> not the word I'm looking
1: for. I'm looking for
0: stopping it there is just so funny. <laughs>
1: That's what Mr. Trell was thinking. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Poor <Brashen. laughs> Ready to go. <laughs> yeah.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Is fits Happy? I'm Luke. And I'm Emma. And this week we're discussing chapter 14, Cirilla's Choice. Before we dive in, I do want to say that there is a content warning on this episode. We're not going to get explicit, but there are threats and it is directly stated in here. Uh, hints of sexual violence. Yeah. Hints slash directly relating to sexual violence. So this is about, as all of you, I'm sure, have read this, I hope, this is about Satrap handing Cirilla over to the Chelsea and crew. So just as a warning, in case you want to skip this, that's all right.
0: Yeah, definitely. If you need to skip it, go for it. We'll see you next week.
1: (laughs) All right. So with that said, we do jump in with Cirilla on board ship with Cosgo and... The Chelsea crew around him, they've been on board for a little bit now, but it did take longer than Cirilla wanted to to get going because there was, of course, a bunch of administration things to do and Cosgo would not be dissuaded from going.
0: Right. And last time we left Cirilla and Cosgo, they were still in the palace at Jamalia and she had just brought up the idea of personally visiting Bingtown because they're trying to stop the animosity Bing Town traders are feeling. So originally the idea was to hear out the Bing Town traders and give them a deal that benefits them still, but doesn't give away any more power right? Um, from Jamalia or Jamalia. So there was that aspect going into it, but now it's been a month or two since then yeah. and they are on the sea and things are kind of changing and not for the better.
1: Yeah, so the part of the delay was Cosgo had to, well, he demanded his cabin be very large and everything, so they had to refit the ship. And then once again, she is in the midst of an uncomfortable situation and she has to remind herself that every lurch of this ungainly ship Mm -hmm. (laughs) that is probably not balanced correctly because of those refittings to make the chambers larger for Satrap Cosgo have made it a very uncomfortable journey, but she's getting closer to Bingtown, which is what she wanted to begin with.
0: Right. It also gives us a little insight into her background because it talks about how she has never been a good sailor or traveler, even before she was with the Satrap, which is really interesting because we don't really know a lot about who she was before she met Cosgo's father, but apparently she was in a family that dealt with ships because this isn't her first time on ship but she has never been good with seasickness
1: yeah either she has been on a ship before Mm -hmm. i'm assuming it's just to travel to jamalia because she never mentions that she's like a merchant or a fisherman or anything from that kind of background and they don't leave once they are a companion Mm -hmm. but yeah we don't know
0: well i think the way she talks about it because she talks about how um She had never been a good sailor, not even when she was a girl, implies she's been on a boat more than once. More than once, yeah. More than just going to Jamalia for whatever reason that she went there. Possible. Um, But also, it would make sense if she was part of like a merchant family because they would have been a little bit more wealthy and would give her a reason to be... Studying. Yeah, studying (laughs) and having the ability to read, which, you know, I don't know. I guess it's hard because obviously... Chalced wouldn't have allowed women to get educated in that way. It feels like, I guess we don't have any proof of that, but that just based off of how they treat women and what we know of that, I highly doubt there are a lot of highly educated women in Chalced, um, for particular reasons, (laughs) but it's really hard to tell any other area that would
1: I mean, Jamelia also has that history of the Companions of the Heart, right? So they have a history of scholarship in general Mm -hmm. and valuing uh, opinions from both sexes.
0: Right. And, you know, I'm just thinking if she was a merchant family, it would make sense why she had interest in Bingtown.
1: Right. Because
0: if, you know, like her, I'm sure her family would be talking about all the goods from Mm -hmm. Bingtown.
1: So I don't know. Just, Fan canon. Yes. I just thought it would
0: be it was interesting that this is kind of the only background we get on her.
1: Mm-hmm. So she is very anxious to get to Bing Town. She's looking forward to it. And she goes into a little bit how she spent time packing and repacking and trying to pick out the best things to wear because she wants to look attractive but not promiscuous mm-hmm. and out of place. She wants to look stately but not dowdy. She just wants to fit in. And she's trying to pick outfits out that she knows will impress but fit in with their culture there. And she's lamenting the fact that she doesn't have any jewelry to go with it because they can only get what they're gifted by the satrap, really, as companions. And the old satrap only gifted her books and scrolls, which was fine, but now she's actually leaving the
0: palace. Right. So it doesn't look as good and she's worried about the optics of that. I think it's also really interesting because this drew to mind Malta to me, but in a more sophisticated grown up way, I right. guess, where yeah. there is that acknowledgement that as a woman, how you dress is part of how people perceive you. I think that's yeah. true for everyone. I think yeah. the way you dress is what people define you by. And so, but especially for women you want to walk the line of not being too pretty, but not being ugly and so unnoticeable. And so I I just really thought that her sticking point of, she still wanted to be seen as beautiful, really put to mind Malta. And I'm like, this is who Malta could have turned into. (laughs) Like if she wanted to do things more diplomatic instead of, I don't know, (laughs) whatever it is that she's doing now. But I don't know. I just found it interesting to have that, more grown-up version of what we see Malta do because we spend so much time talking about how Malta's so immature.
1: Right, yes.
0: So she is, she was, at least, excited to be on this trip and to go, but that's really hard to think about now that she is on the ship and suffering from horrible seasickness. And well, not
1: horrible. But,
0: well, seasickness but nonetheless.
1: I'm slightly queasy, yeah.
0: And on top of that, She is also now stuck spending way more time with Cosgo and the Chalcedians on board.
1: When the young satrap had begun to let the feasts degenerate into celebrations of gluttony and lewdness at Jamalia, she had simply stopped attending those. But on board the ship, there was nowhere to flee his excesses. If she wished to eat, she must eat with the satrap. To leave this chamber and walk in the fresh air on the open deck was to invite the coarse attention of the Chelsidian crew. There was no relief there, even if she had had Cosgo's leave to depart the room. Satrap Cosgo and companion, do we want to say Keki or Kiki? I was saying Kiki in my head because it's more <laughs> like a name.
0: Yeah, Keki feels weird. Like yeah, it's
1: all- <laughs> I'll, I'll stick with Kiki. Okay. Satrap Cosgo and companion Kiki sprawled on the large divan of the chamber. They were both nearly insensible from pleasure herbs and smoke. Kiki had whined that they were the the only way to keep her mind from her queasiness and loudly lamented that never before this had she been so seasick. Cirilla had been too tactful to ask if she might be pregnant. And she goes in a little bit that it's not unheard of that the satrap and the companion would produce a child but it's looked down upon greatly and the child would just be given to the priesthood and no one would ever talk about it they would never know who their parents were and the satrap can only get a an heir from a proper wife
0: yeah i found that really interesting to know because obviously birth control isn't super talked about in this series. I mean, a little bit because we know that, um, the Wizardwood charms prevent pregnancy and STD, but otherwise it's not super talked about, I guess with Fitz and Molly, she thought she knew of some herbs and right. that wasn't 100% successful. So it's really interesting that we're now hearing what happens when a child is conceived on accident and that they actually don't have any right to the throne. And I found that really interesting that they are given to Saw or the temple and gave me a little tinfoil hat theory, which is literally based off of nothing. But what if Saw Adar is like half brothers <laughs> with Cosgo or something? So that's just a thought I had. Obviously, I have nothing to back that up with, yeah. except for the fact that they're both power hungry and awful. But like... <laughs> You know, other than that,
1: we've already seen that duo in the first trilogy.
0: True, true. So (laughs) I just thought that was an interesting thing. And I was like, oh, maybe, but I don't know.
1: There are other companions in here as well. And he's kind of brought along a selection of companions. But Kiki is the only one that's named. Cirilla says that the entire voyage so far had been a series of feasts and entertainment followed by Cosgo's extended periods of nausea and stupor brought on by too much wine and soporifics. Then he would demand his healers, who would dose and drug him in a different direction, until he felt well enough to prescribe his own pleasures again. The other nobles on board were as self-indulgent save a few who often claimed seasickness as an excuse to remain in their quarters. Several Chalcedian nobles journeyed north with him, their ships traveled in company with the satraps' flagship. They often joined him for dinner. The women they brought with them were like dangerous pets as they vied for attention from those they deemed most powerful. They horrified Cyrilla. The only more terrifying aspects of those dinners were the political discussions that followed. The Chalcedian nobles urged Cosgo to make an example of Bingtown, to tolerate none of the traders' rebellious talk, to take a firm hand and quash them, they were building in the satrap a sense both of self-righteousness and anger that Cyrilla deemed unjustified. She no longer attempted to make her own voice heard. The Chalcedians only shouted her down with their laughter or made mock of her. Last night, Kago Cosgo had bid her to be silent as befit her. The thought of his public insult to her still stirred the flames of anger in her heart.
0: So things are rapidly changing. Obviously. As third-party viewers, when we saw things the first time Cirilla is introduced to us, it wasn't great, but she seemed to just kind of be used to the situation, and it wasn't unmanageable to her.
1: She could make her advice heard, at least.
0: Right, and even if he wasn't respecting her or listening to her, she didn't have to really put up with it day in, day out, and wasn't, I guess probably really fully seeing the corruption that was happening to him. Whereas now on this boat, she's trapped and has to listen to the political talk and see how Cosgo is being manipulated firsthand. And it's having a direct result on how he treats her. Right. And so now it's becoming more dire.
1: She goes into how the Chalcedon captain who is on board accepts gifts from satrap cosgo but it just remains unimpressed by him and cosgo wants the captain to like him yeah so he keeps trying to impress him with things but the more that happens the more the captain ignores him cosgo's attempts to mimic the chalcedon's swagger and aggression were humiliating to watch it pains Cyrilla to see companions like kiki encourage him in it as if his juvenile pushiness were manly Cosgo now took umbrage at everything that was not precisely as he ordered it. His behavior reminded Cirilla of a spoiled child. Nothing pleased him. Cosgo had brought jesters and musicians with him, but their routines had grown stale. The satrap grew ever more peckish with boredom. The slightest challenge to his will propelled him into cursing, stamping tantrums. And so this journey, again, as we've been just talking about over and over has just made him worse because he's separated from anything that can distract him. He is surrounded by people who encourage his worst habits and are leading terrible examples.
0: Yeah. It feels like at the palace, there are still some people who were kind of keeping him in check in a way, probably because they were worked with his father. And so, he felt the need to impress them in that way. Like he wanted to live up to his father's reputation, which he clearly has an inferiority complex about. So I think that was kind of keeping him from devolving too far, but hidden away from that sort of judgment and counsel, he is falling deeper into these horrible habits. And that means that there is not a lot that Cirilla can do to have autonomy anymore. And she is really feeling the strain of that. But I, I don't think at this point she realizes how bad it is.
1: Right. Yeah. I don't either.
0: And I think reading this, I, my first knee jerk reaction was to be really upset with Cirilla because she is, A really smart woman, clearly, if she was able to become a heart companion and is a scholar and does a lot of research, she has to be intelligent on some level. So why wouldn't she have seen this coming and why would she just stay in a situation where it's getting worse and worse and worse? But I think when I was thinking about it deeper, I think, first of all, that it's probably like the boiling frog analogy, Right? right. Which is yeah. in case of the listeners don't know, it's this analogy that you can cook a frog alive by slowly turning up the temperature of the water and it won't jump out of the pot. But if you throw a frog into boiling water, it'll jump out because, you know, it just the set, get more
1: accustomed to it.
0: Yeah. You just, you adjust. And so I think that's what this is, is just the slow worsening over time is something that Cirilla hasn't fully been impacted by prior to this and it was a lot easier before being stuck on a boat to just excuse herself from the situation right and now she can't so I think it just she doesn't realize how bad things could be because she hasn't had to face that yet
1: and she's still bound by her rules as a heart companion satrap had summoned her to his chamber this morning or today or whenever it is on the pretext that she was going to advise him. So she can't leave until he dismisses her. And she is ruminating while she's just watching them basically passed out. Right. And sitting down at the table, just kind of waiting for him to wake up. And she's thinking that thinking back on the time of making the plans for this and what came to it.
0: I also want to, before we get to that, um, the reason that Kiki and Zatrap are, passed out right now is because Kiki, whenever Cirilla came in, got a little jealous, according to Cirilla. And so tried to get Satrap's attention to herself and wouldn't let any conversation really happen between Cirilla and Cosgo and took up all his time, which was annoying for her because she doesn't even want to be there. So there's no reason to be jealous, but um, also makes her kind of pity Kiki because Kiki is following a path that will get her kicked out of being a heart companion in Cyrilla's mind.
1: Well, not necessarily that. It's just that she'll get cast aside because giving into Satrap Cosco is what will make it and quickly bore of you.
0: <laughs> right.
1: So she's thinking back on the start of this journey and how she tried to go alone. And he accused her of that and it was true she did want to be going to bingtown alone empowered to make decisions for a land she knew much better than he did however he was too jealous of his power to allow that he the reigning satrap would descend upon bingtown in all his power and glory and cow them with his might the bingtown traders would be brought to heal and reminded that he ruled them all by the grace of Sa. they had no right to dispute that and she'd been confident that the council would dissuade him of that mad idea, but they were all too happy to let him go, except for a couple of the old uh, councilors. And the Chalcedian allies that he had there also encouraged him, obviously. There had been many nights of drinking with them before the preparation for the journey began. She had heard of their bragging and promises. They would support him. Let him show these Bingtown upstarts who ruled Jamelia. His Chalcedian friends would back him up. he need not fear those festering rebels. If they dared to lift a hand against their rightful ruler, Duke Yadfin and his mercenaries would give them fresh reason to call their land the Cursed Shores. Even now, Cirilla shook her head to herself when she thought of it. Could not Cosgo see that he could be used as a bait in a trap? If the Chalcedians could provoke the old traitors to kill him, they would have complete license to plunder and destroy all of Bingtown. So he brought a bunch of people with him, but he doesn't care about any of the pretext of why people want him to go.
0: Right. He's lost sight of the plot, essentially. <laughs> he is being led astray and thinking of this as, yeah, you're right, I'm going to assert my dominance over this place. And it was originally supposed to be there for negotiation. <laughs> so it's getting kind of bad. But I do want to take a moment to talk about how I find it really ironic that Cyrilla is disgusted and annoyed by Cosgo thinking he knows better and thinking that he's in control of the situation and that he's he's being so easily led astray or whatever. I think it's really ironic because Cirilla herself has had no real world connection with the Bingtown traders. She has only read about their culture in books. And I'm not saying that that's not a good tool to use, but to pretend as though she knows better than the Bingtown traders is pretty funny considering she's like, I can't believe Satrap Costco thinks he knows better. Like, Yeah.
1: Cause she does act like that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I <laughs> when think, she
1: gets to Bingtown.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I think it's, I, I really like the idea because I think throughout this book, it's really fun to see all these different cultures and societies viewing each other as barbarians and lower than them and they're the ones at the height of culture and they know everything and I feel like it makes the world feel so much more real and it's (laughs) especially real to have a country or a group of people who are ruling over communities that are not their own and pretending like they know better it's like very real world very funny to read in this context but like she doesn't even see that maybe she's also overlooking things or right. being persuaded to a, a certain viewpoint because of the author's bias that of the book she's read. It's it's all very interesting in there.
1: <laughs> she goes to through an accounting of who is along with them as well. There's the flagship that Satrap Cos goes on with a selection of companions, as well as a full complement of servants and six nobles he had ordered to accompany him with their small retinues, but there's also a ship full of younger sons from noble houses accompanied, uh, accompanying alongside them. These he had lured into adventure with the prospect that, if their families invested in his expedition, their sons might be given grants of land in Bingtown. In vain had Cirilla remonstrated with him about that. To arrive with these would-be settlers would insult the traders. It was a plain sign that the satrap had never taken their complaints about the new traders seriously. He ignored her. And to make matters worse, ranging ahead of the sailing ships and flanking them were seven large galleys, fully armed with well-equipped Chelcedian mercenaries. Their announced purpose was to escort safely the satrap's vessel through the pirate-infested waters of the Inside Passage. Only when they were underway did Cirilla discover that they would provide a further show of the satraps' power en route. They intended to raid and pillage any pirate settlements the ranging galleys discovered on the journey north. Whatever wealth and slaves they carried off from these raids would be transported to Chelsid in the young noble's ship to help offset the cost of the diplomatic mission. The younger sons would participate in the raids to prove themselves worthy of favor. The satrap had been especially proud of this bit of accounting. Over and over, Cirilla had had to listen to him enumerate the advantage. So he's very proud of himself for that little bit. And it is awful.
0: It's so awful. Putting aside the fact that the Chalcedians are going out of their way to get more slaves, which is right. terrible. I think Just we to all know fund that.
1: this diplomatic trip.
0: Yeah. yeah. What is Cosgo getting out of the it then because i'm sure he's still paying them in some way or giving them gifts right right but then they're also going to take all the loot they get along the way and not not just like the people that are slaves but whatever they can take out of the villages too they get everything and cosgo gets nothing because it's offsetting the cost but like what cost (laughs) question mark it's just so, it just really further shows his inability to rule and right. just lack of, I don't know, intelligence, maybe. It could be lack of um, experience as well. Yeah. But.
1: Common sense. <laughs>
0: yeah, common sense. It's just, I. it's. It's a little rough to read like, oh, yeah, it's so great because they get a ton of stuff out of this deal and I get to come along for the ride.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we get a little insight into Cosco's character here with the reasons that he does list. Mm -hmm. One, Bingtown will be forced to admit that my patrol ships have discouraged the pirates. The slaves we take will be proof of that. Two, Bingtown will be impressed with the might of my allies and hence will be less prone to oppose my will. Three, we will be reimbursing the treasury for the cost of this little expedition. Fourth, it will make me make of me a living legend. What other satrap has ever gone forth like this to take matters into his own hands and straighten things out? What other satrap has ever been so bold? So we get a little insight into him here. He wants to be known. He wants to eclipse the name of his father. And we knew that from the previous chapter with Cirilla and Cosgo as well. Cirilla brought up his father and Mm -hmm. Costco does not like that. He wants to be seen as a good ruler in his own right. Right. And using Chalced in terms of his strength in his eyes is the right play because then Bingtown will just be cowed and go along with whatever he says.
0: Yeah. It is really interesting to have him show who he is in this way and to know that he really truly believes this is a great idea and an amazing show of power and there's no way this could backfire at all. And I think, first of all, it shows how little respect he has towards Bingtown, but it also shows how much he is underestimating this group. And I think part of that is because Bingtown is so far away That the growth that they've had probably isn't seen by the upper courts of Jamalia. Right. Or Jamalia. It's just
1: a backwater town, you know?
0: Yeah. They don't realize that it's actually growing now and becoming its own place in its own right. And so I think it's really interesting to have Cosgo come in and be like, oh, these backwater rodents, will (laughs) they don't know what's coming, instead of realizing that these people... Probably have the means to fight back if they want to and are providing him with a lot of the funds that he needs to enjoy the lifestyle he has. Right. So instead of trying to come at it like, well, I don't want to lose the money. He's like, no, I'll show them who's boss, which does seem to be a pattern with a lot of (laughs) (laughs) rulers. So who knows?
1: It's really lays out pretty neatly the bad aspects of this journey here. The Chalcedians would take him to Chalced, hold him as a hostage, and make him a puppet ruler. Or maybe the most dangerous thing would be that the nobility of Jamelia would seize every scrap of power they could while the boy satrap was gone. Probably both will happen, she decided bitterly. And sometimes she even wonders if they're going to make it to Bingtown at all or just bypass it and go straight to Chalced. She's hoping fervently that they decide that it's in their best interest to go to Bingtown first. Right. She just doesn't know. (laughs) Yeah. And Satrap Cosgo doesn't recognize that the Chalcedians hold all the power here, or he just doesn't care.
0: Right. He doesn't think that they would go against him. And I think to be have even a drop of sympathy towards Cosgo, he has been raised as a person who can do no wrong and... As the ruler of the world and he, nobody would go against him. He is in charge. And right. so of course he doesn't see the danger in what Chalced is doing because they're acting like all the other people have acted in his life. And that is giving him what he wants and providing him with new pleasures and agreeing with everything he says and telling him that he can be the man. He can be in charge. So, yeah, he doesn't see the danger there because he's never really had to think about the danger and he wasn't raised in a way that gave him any room to know what the dangers are. Right. So I I do feel bad for him in that because of the way he was raised, so spoiled, it really hurt him in growing as an adult and understanding as a ruler, what the dangers are in giving others that much power over you. Yeah. But also he is a horrible person. So <laughs> I kind of don't care.
1: Thriller <laughs> says that only two of his old advisors tried to dissuade him from it, but everyone else kind of just gave him gifts and all, but nudged him on the ship. Just like, Hey, yeah, go for it.
0: Mm-hmm. But even though two of them tried to persuade him not to go, nobody offered to go with him. Right. He actually had to force some of the nobles to come along, and they agreed, but begrudgingly.
1: And he still was unable to see any signs of conspiracy to be rid of him. Two days ago, she had dared speak of her concerns to him. He had first mocked her and then become angry. You are playing on my fears. Well, you know how my nerves trouble me. You seek to upset me, to ruin my health and digestion with your wild talk. Be silent. Go to your cabin and remain there until I summon you. Her cheeks burned when she recalled how she had been forced to obey him. Two grinning Chalcedian seamen had escorted her there. Neither one had touched her, but they had discussed her body freely in word and gesture as they took her there. She had set the flimsy door catch as soon as she was inside and then put her clothing chest against the door. He had let a full day pass before he called her. And... When she went, she had no choice, with him grinning and his hands on his hips. When he asked, did you learn your lesson, she had no choice but to say, yes, eyes downcast. It had seemed a wiser course, but inside she had been seething. She had learned her lesson. She had learned that he had left civilized ways behind him. Before, he had been a man toying with dissipation. Now he embraced degeneracy. She decided to take her freedom as soon as she could. She owed this swine nothing. Only her loyalty to the satrapy troubled her conscience. She had silenced it by convincing herself that there was little she, a woman alone, could do to stop its decay. And ever since then, the satrap's just kind of waiting for her to speak out again. Right. But she's, you know, being herself. Not too subservient, because that was never her, but still...
0: Not challenging anything. Yeah, she's keeping her head down. And I do think it's important to talk about how she is, like you said, not being too submissive, but she is kind of going with the flow more than she had been before. And I think this is the start of the downfall of what happens. I I think... Cosgo finally acknowledged the power he had over her or finally realized that he really is the one with the power in this dynamic. Right. Which is gross. But I I also feel sorry for her because she is trying so hard to still uphold the the oath that she gave to be a heart companion, she still wants to be of help, even yeah. in the face of danger and in the face of these men who are making fun of her for even speaking while they're present. She's still saying her piece. She's still telling him up until this point, Hey, these are some things that are concerning. Maybe you right. should be thinking about that. And I like just feel really bad because she clearly has a very strong moral character and, I think later, because of the trauma that happens due to this chapter, she becomes a little bit more harsh and power hungry. Um, But I do want to say that I think in this moment, we can see that that isn't who she was always. And there is a sense of morality. And even though she is trying to she does think of herself as better than the people of Bing Town and knowing more than them. I think she still is coming at that from a place of it's not necessarily that she wants the power itself. It's just that it makes her feel important, which feels good. And then also it just proves that her life study was meaningful. It's not it's not about the power necessarily. And. It is coming from a good place, I think, to start. But, yeah, here we have her realizing that things have changed and it's very different. And I'm so sad for her because I wish she would just take this time while, while he's passed out to leave. I mean, if he said anything, she could always just be like, yeah, you told me I could go like you. He's not going to remember.
1: Right. I'm sorry. Yeah.
0: You said I could go. I thought I was allowed. There you go. And you don't have to sit there, but I don't think this could have been avoided the whole trip. So ugh, I just hate what's coming up. <laughs>
1: So Cirilla is staring at them, reflecting on Kiki as a heart companion, saying that she had no shame. She became a companion because of her strength of knowledge on the Chalcidian language and customs, but adopted their culture as well and is trying to captivate the man in power with by any means necessary. And this is where Cirilla says, That's a shame that Kiki's path was the swiftest way to lose Cosgo's fascination with her. She would soon be discarded. Cirilla only hoped Kiki's blandishments could keep him entertained until they reached Bing Town. So she's staring at them and mm-hmm. Satrap Cosgo opens up his eye and sees her staring.
0: And she decides to continue to stare at him. Uh, she's like, well, he probably can't see me anyway, so I'm just going to disdainfully stare at him. And he can see her. And this kind of makes him angry. I do want to go back just for a moment to talk about how Cyrilla talks about Kiki and the other companions. Yeah. I, I think it's really, I don't know. I, I find it a little strange how little she thinks of the other women. I guess it sort of makes sense, right? Because she sees her role as not just being a good looking side piece, for the satrap she sees herself as being a scholar and a voice of wisdom, yes, and so I think part of it comes from that, but it is so strange too though to see her in this environment see how women are treated and and how it's not that she's not getting anything special for not going along with the way the other women are acting, you know what I mean? Right. There's just this sense of like, oh, I'm better than you guys because I am holding out to my morals. And it just, I don't love that. <laughs> it's a little icky because it's like, they're just also doing what they need to do to survive. And I don't think, like, I don't know. It doesn't mean that they're not also smart. It, they're just choosing a different way to right. live. Mm-hmm. And that's okay too. And I don't know. So I just thought it was worth bringing up that, She does throughout this whole chapter kind of have this disdain of like, oh, these Kiki and the other companions, they just roll around and revel in the drugs and debauchery and I'm not like them.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's kind of central to her character, right? She thinks she's better than everybody, including the old traders when she gets to Bingtown. She knows the right way to do things and she's consistently out of her depth Mm -hmm. and that shows up in later parts of the story as well. Where with uh, Road, I believe his name is the young guy that she like, the young trader Mm -hmm. man who is like her lieutenant or whatever. But he starts to gain more power in the relationship anyways, because she just doesn't know everything, doesn't know how to run things, but she thinks she knows the best. Right.
0: Yeah. So I just I thought it was good to point out because it's Mm -hmm. not something that we are going to spend a lot of time on. Yeah. uh, Yeah. But I just... Yeah, I thought it was important to at least say that she does have faults and she is someone who is kind of a high and mighty person. But anyway, here she is thinking, well, he can't see me anyway. I'm just going to stare at him and gets Cosgo up on the wrong side of the bed.
1: <laughs> Come here, he ordered her. She crosses over and stood an arm's length from his couch. You summoned me for consultation, Magnadon, she asked him formally. Come here, he repeated petulantly his forefinger stabbed at a spot adjacent to his couch. She could not take those final steps. Her pride simply would not allow it. "'Why?' she demanded of him. "'Because I am the satrap and I command it,' he spat out. He was abruptly furious. "'You need no more reason than that.' He sat up suddenly, shoving Kiki aside. She moaned dismally, but rolled away from him. "'I am not a servant,' Cirilla pointed out. "'I am a companion of the heart.' She drew herself up straight and recited. Lest his head be turned by flattering women, lest his vanity be stroked by those who seek only to gain, let him choose for himself companions to sit beside him. Let them not be above him, let them not be below him, but let them speak their wisdom openly, advising the satrap only in each of one's specific area of erudition. Let him have no favorites amongst them. Let him not choose them based on comeliness or amiability. Let his companion not praise him. Let her not defer to his opinion. Let her not be fearful of disagreeing with him. For any of these things may compromise the honesty of her counsel. Let her let her shut up, Cosgo shouted and then laughed uproariously at his own wit. Cirilla fell silent, but not his, at his command. She did not move from where she stood.
0: I do want to say... Kind
1: of funny joke.
0: Yeah, that kind of slaps. <laughs> like, I hate to admit it, I don't want to give Cosgo anything, but... Uh, it's pretty good. It's it's a good play on words.
1: Just like Wintro's lecturing at you. Just like, okay, don't preach at me, boy. (laughs) Right.
0: Like if this were in any other circumstance and he wasn't going to be as terrible as he is following this, it would be a lot funnier. Um, And it is a moment of levity for sure, but it it definitely is quickly soured by the events that transpire next. But I will admit it was a good comeback. It was a really good way to stop the, the speech though, the only props I'll give him
1: (laughs) for a moment he stares at her silently and says you foolish woman you are so full of yourself so certain that a mouthful of words can protect you companion of my heart he sneered the words a title for a woman who fears to be a woman he leaned back against Kiki's body as if she were a cushion I could cure you of that I could give you to the sailors have you thought of that The captain is Chalcedian. He would think nothing of me discarding a woman who had displeased me. He paused. Perhaps he would use you first, before he passed you on. Cirilla's mouth went dry. Her tongue stuck to the roof of it. He could, she realized dully. He had become capable of it. It would be months before he returned to Jamalia. Who would demand an accounting of what had become of her? No one. None of the nobles on board would oppose him. If they had had that strength of will, they would not be aboard. Some might even feel she had brought it upon herself. She had no alternative. Once she capitulated to him, his debasement of her would know no bounds. If she showed fear of this threat, he would continue to use it. She suddenly saw that clearly. Her only hope was to challenge him. Do it, she said coolly. She stood up straighter and crossed her arms on her chest. She could feel her heart hammering inside her. He could do it. He might do it. If he did, she would not survive it. The crew was large and rough. Some of the female servants had already appeared with bruises, bruised faces and unsteady gaits. No rumors had reached her ears, but she did not need rumors to have suspicions. and saw women as little more than cattle. She prayed he would back down. I will, he lurched to his feet. He took two unsteady steps toward the door. Before I continue on, let's pause there for a second and discuss.
0: Yeah. So I think I think this really is the moment for Cyrilla the Lightbulb moment of how bad things are. Yeah. I I really do think that she didn't think he was capable. Until of doing something like this until he even suggested it out loud. Right, yeah. And she was able to realize how far things had come.
1: I know it's a rock and a hard place, but do you think that her choice here, we know how it ends up, so we know it's obviously awful how it ends up, but do you think her choice is the right one? Do you think that she should have given in to Satrap, Costco here?
0: I honestly feel like it doesn't matter what she would have done. This probably would have been the outcome of this trip, no matter what. It's fair. And I kind of feel like I don't super want to discuss the choices she could make here personally. That's fair. Because it kind of feels like then we're putting the onus on her for what the satrap is doing.
1: Oh, no, I, I wasn't trying to get to that. I was more saying like the relationship after they get back together Mm -hmm. and are side-by-side is still somewhat in her favor after the these events right and i'm wondering if you think that would have changed even if it was you know uh the same result at the end of this if she capitulated to him if she gave in and just obeyed him more during this part do you think that she would eventually have as much power in bingtown without him there Mm -hmm. when she like gave she broke down her own will and gave into herself of like okay i have to obey him because this is like the center of who she is in that relationship right Right. in the past chapters we've seen her being like i have to keep standing up to him because that that is who i am that is the only way this relationship works that's kind of what i was leaning Mm -hmm. towards with that question not trying to place any onus on her.
0: Right. I think, I think her stubbornness in not showing any weakness to Cosgo Mm -hmm. is, I don't know. It's just so central to who she is that I understand the choice that she made. If she could have gotten over that and understood the bigger picture of Lou's, the battle win the war. I don't know. Maybe it would have given her more perspective, and yeah, you know, like
1: it's really hard to speculate on it. Yeah, I don't know. I I, don't... I feel like I feel like if she did, she would lose. I think she's right in her thought here. Is mm-hmm. what I'm kind of saying is that she would lose something in that relationship, in herself, that belief right. in herself, and. When this happens and they get to shore and the journey's kind of over, I mean, after they get back together, isn't Satrap Cosgrove like super quote unquote sick? He's just like hungover and seasick and mm-hmm. no one's attending him anymore. He calls her back and she makes him sign something, right? Like she gets more power from him. Right. I feel like if she did give in at this point, she wouldn't have that that fire still. She'd be like, I'll just kind of... Keep going along so nothing bad happens.
0: Uh, uh, I don't know. I think even if she had gone along, she would have still gotten what she wanted out of this because I think even if you do...
1: She does have incredible drive.
0: Yeah, and her goal ultimately is to get away from him, Yeah, number one, before this even happens, as we see. And number two, get some semblance of power and be able to be a prominent figure, a figure in Bingtown. Yeah. So I truly believe she would have gotten what she wanted either way. I think she is able to stand more firm and have less guilt about it because of the decision she makes here. Yeah.
1: That's but fair.
0: I think she would still be able to okay get what she wanted. Yeah. I, I think it's, yeah, but this in general is really, it's so yucky, right? Like,
1: right. I mean, she's, <laughs> hoping and praying for him to be bluffing here, to right. turn around. He's unsteady on his feet because he's hung over and she, her knees are trembling because of what might happen.
0: Right. And I just, I feel really bad for her because up until this point, this has worked for her, right? She knows when he is pushing and trying to get more power over her. And I mean, it's hard because on the one hand, her job as a companion is to follow whatever the satrap says. So the fact that she, even from the beginning has been kind of going against his will at all is impressive, but also directly against what the heart companion is. She does.
1: She's she, I think she plays it like I'm going to the letter of what the rules say I have to do, which is against what you want. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I think like, I think it doesn't really matter when there is such a big power difference yeah. in their dynamic and especially when he holds the power of her safety over her. And yeah. so, like, as much as I think there are problems with how Cyrilla views her role and, like, there are things she could have done, it's also not really on her to right. oh, make yeah. sure. Yeah. I'm just out loud mm-hmm. so everybody knows where we stand it's on her to make the satrap be a decent person and treat her like a human being. And so I don't know. It's just, yeah, I don't know. The whole situation is bad. I don't love it. (laughs) Surprisingly. (laughs) (laughs) The
1: satrap Costco goes to the door, stops and sways, although she doesn't know if that's just him being hungover or, you know, indecision. And he turns and asks, are you sure this is what you want? There was a leering taunt to the words he cocked his head at her you would rather go to them than attempt to please me i'll give you a moment to decide which you want she felt dizzy and sick it was the cruelest thing he could have done to offer her this last chance she felt her strength ebbing away from her she wanted to fling herself to her knees and beg his mercy only her conviction that he had no concept of mercy held her still and upright she swallowed she could not reply she clung to her silence and hoped it would pass for refusal and that's also true because if she did go down to her knees and beg for mercy there's no telling what he actually would do right he could still follow through with it
0: yeah and then she has lost her self her sense of pride in yeah. herself and has to live with both losing that and what comes next. And it's, it is such a hard choice, right? And I I really respect Cirilla for standing in this decision and just as scared as she is, as much as she knows what's coming, just knowing that she is making that choice that like if she is in between a rock and a hard place but at least she gets to pick the rock or the hard place and she's sticking with that decision Mm -hmm. and I think that's really respectable that as scared as she is and as much as we can tell how worried and upset she is she's not showing that to him she's not giving him the satisfaction of number one knowing that he's succeeding in scaring her but number two the satisfaction of thinking that he's even an option to her right which is a huge blow to his ego i'm sure and i don't know i just oh my heart breaks for her in this moment
1: <laughs> and mr disgusting has one more barb to say blaming her saying remember Cyrilla, you chose this you could have had me and then he taps the sailor that's outside the door and says run a message to your captain my good man tell him that i offer him one of my women the green-eyed one Warn him that she is bad-tempered and unwilling. Tell him I have found her a sweet mount all the same. Have him send someone to claim her. And we know this is where she is just in the captain's cabin for an undetermined amount of time after this.
0: Right. Yeah, it's... It's such a hard chapter, I think to discuss and to talk about because I, it's hard. I don't love Cyrilla as a character on the whole. I think that she has a lot of flaws and I think that she definitely isn't like the best person in the world.
1: Do you not like her as a character or do you not like her as a person?
0: Hmm. I guess I don't, I don't like her as a person. Like, I don't think she would be somebody I would, necessarily hang out with in my free time if I chose to but also in this moment that's not the most important thing oh yeah no and and so I think that's a hard thing to do to like talk about something as deep as this and as harmful as this in a way where like we don't want to pretend like Cirilla is the most amazing person in the world or that she always makes good decisions. But at the same time, I think out of respect to her in this situation, it's okay to just admit that like, this is a bad situation and nobody deserves this. Like oh, least yeah. of all Cirilla and yeah, hundred percent. So I think that's, that's the hardest part about talking about this chapter. I think mm-hmm. is just, it's not that, I don't know there can't add the adding the nuance is the hard part but i guess that's what we signed up for whenever we decided to do this
1: podcast (laughs) yeah i know yeah there's there's often chapters in these books all of these books where you don't want to have to dissect it you just want to say like oh this sucks and then move on (laughs) or like oh i hate this and then move on but like That feels a disservice to all of you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and it feels a disservice to Hobbes' writing, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: If you just breeze past it, where's the development? Yeah. And I hate saying that because this is often used as a crutch to quote-unquote character development for women in fantasy books. Yeah. But since we get a view inside of Cirilla's head, you can actually see what happens and why she makes her decisions and where it comes from and where yeah. it goes. And it's it's not necessarily just a lazy writing piece, I don't think, because this is the situation she's in. This is a most likely outcome of what would happen. Yeah. Like, it's most likely that Cosgo would go to Bingtown with Chelsea and not leave Cirilla alone with her own power. And what do Chalcedians do? They treat right. women like cattle, so like it's it makes narrative sense, I think, but it's still hard to discuss character yeah. development in this case because of yeah. that like overshadowing everything right,
0: and I do think we have had somebody write in before i think before we even started this series this trilogy about how they thought it was important that these sort of situations are put in these books and especially the fact that it is centered on the female voice being the ones to talk about what is happening to them Mm -hmm. because we don't get to see that a lot in media portrayed. We don't get to see how a woman deals with that or what goes through their mind. It's always just, it's something done to them and then helps them grow as a better character or whatever. That's the trope. And so I think... I think as as much as I don't love that we have to read it and that, you know, that it's brought into the fantasy setting, because honestly, I personally like going to read fantasy to get away from real world things. It's still something that can give perspective to people who would read this who wouldn't otherwise get that perspective. And I think especially because Robin Hobb does such a good job of making all of these characters so... Real, so 3D, yeah. she gives them so much personality, and there is gr- moral grayness in every single character. There's not a single character who is 100% good or 100% bad. Yeah, I think that makes it a much better piece of writing and much easier to be able to come in and give nuance to it. Mm-hmm. And it's not just something that happens to further the plot, it is like you said, it feels like it's something that had to have happened because of the situation they're in it's real to the world but not overbearing with trying to throw that in as a plot device
1: yeah exactly yeah i may have some thoughts about the Kenneth thing later on (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) whether that's you know thrown in or (laughs) needed to happen as it was but yeah uh, yeah yeah. (laughs) but this one does not feel feel like that
0: yeah. And oh. I don't know. I don't I still I will say I'm still not a fan. I of
1: of these scenes of in general. These, yeah.
0: These scenes of this happening at all in books. And I just personally don't think I will ever think they're OK or needed. But I also know that I am just one person and my opinion doesn't make up the masses. And that's OK, too. And sometimes people need to read stuff like this to have empathy for it. So. If that's what it does, cool. <laughs> but like, personally, I'm not loving any of this.
1: <laughs> well, thank you so much for those who have listened to this and have tuned in. Uh, please let us know your thoughts. Uh, we're, we're trying to be as sensitive to the topic as we can. Mm-hmm. Um, I know... I am not an expert and neither is Emma in no, any of this sort of thing. So not. please, please let us know if we can discuss things in a better way in the future, or if you have thoughts about our, our thought process on the characters, or you want to share your own, you can email us at is at gmail.com, or you can message us directly or comment on any of our posts on our social medias where it is fits happy at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, threads, and on YouTube as well. So you can find us on any of those or you can just go to our website, isfitshappy.com and you can find a a more links tab at the top that you can click and you can uh, find any of those. Thanks so much.
0: Yeah, sorry for the downer week, but we look forward to next week with you guys.
1: Next week, I think we get more Malta. So,
0: well, it'll be a, up, an upper after this one. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh.
1: all right. Thank you guys.
0: Thanks, guys. Okay. So, to break up that sadness, <laughs> we're just going to talk about one comment that we got um, in regards to our previous episode. Episode 169, which was for chapter 13 of Madship, And this is in regards to
1: Ellen making a comment on Facebook yeah. about uh, the serpents and which serpents become dragons.
0: Yeah. So Ellen poses that Kalaro must be the serpent who becomes Kalo or Kalo. Let's say Kalo.
1: Kalo? Yeah. Yeah. So. And that is correct. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because. Calero is the biggest serpent, so, and Kalo is the biggest dragon. So, yeah, that was a really good point out, call out. We have another potential answer to which dragon is which.
1: I think the only two that are kind of guaranteed are uh, Mulkin turns into Murcor, and Kalaro turns into Kalo.
0: Who's Hebe?
1: Don't know. Uh, there are some... There are some theories that it might be Shriver, but not sure.
0: Interesting. To be fair, in my head, first of all, I didn't ever go check to see which serpents were which and which uh, dragons matched personality-wise or color-wise, but I thought it'd be funny if Hebe was Markor. (laughs) (laughs) But like... (laughs)
1: There is one comment, this is from, you know, seven years ago on a Reddit thread, so Uh I I don't know if it's completely accurate, but it says that Malkin becomes Merkor, Kalaro becomes Kalo, Caesarea becomes Tarman's legs, tail, and other modifications. Okay. And uh, Teller and Silic die during the final battle, as did the White Serpent, they think, and She Who Remembers dies on the way up the Rainwild River. So... No mention of Shriver. We don't really have much on Shriver, So that's kind of where the theory comes in. It's maybe Hebe.
0: Fair. Anyway, it. Um, thank you, Alan, for letting us know about Kahlo and Kalaro. Um, Reddit apparently agrees with you, so, <laughs> and so do we. So thank you for writing in. And thank you to everybody else who writes in every week. We always look forward to hearing what you guys have to say. Yeah. See you next week.